0: By the time somebody walks in my door, I usually have enough information about them to absolutely terrify them.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Tony. And I'm Kiara. And you're listening to Good Pain. Good Pain. Uh, I'm just going to say this, Mm. and I don't care who knows it. Okay. Uh, I'm continually impressed with the caliber of guests that we get. On this little program. Me too. Yes. Today, uh, we have Seattle's most exclusive dom. Tony, how would you define
2: exclusivity? Uh,
1: anything that I am not involved with.
2: Ah, an old Groucho Marx callback. Yeah. That's, and if there's
1: anything that you, we've learned about me, I consider Groucho Marx callbacks the height of eroticism. Mm,
2: and I mean, that's sexy. That
1: is, yeah. Not
2: I, as sexy as Catherine Control, though.
1: No, well, no, that's, that's true. That's absolutely true. Catholic Control, uh, as we said, Seattle's most exclusive dom. Yes, she specializes in erotic hypnosis, mm-hmm. folks. We may have gotten hypnotized. This is true. I, I, I have not. I, I, I just. I remember listening to her. I was calm. I was, I was flushed. That's right. And then I blacked out. <laughs> I woke up feeling great, but missing all of my credit cards. Uh, weird because she was on Zoom. So it was me. We'll I did it. Oh, well, the joke's on you because they're all maxed out. Damn it. So there. Just try Just try to use my my Discover X card. I will. <laughs> I'm going to
2: take <laughs> Catherine Control on a date. So <laughs> oh, fuck no, you.
1: Don't, because then she won't be a Because the <laughs> Discover
2: X card's not going to work. Anyway, back to our guest. She also uh, is trained in Japanese rope bondage. Yes. Shibari, it's called. Shibari, caning. And so much more.
1: Mm. So much more, as you will hear. You
2: have a lot to look forward to.
1: Oh, yes, you do. Without further adieu, Catherine Control.
2: We are here with Catherine Control. Yes. One of Seattle's most exclusive doms. Love it. Uh, what makes you so well, exclusive?
0: Okay. Um Oh, that's a really interesting question. Mm. You're checking to see if it's just branding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Never, never. Never. (laughs) Um, What makes me so exclusive is I I might be one of the pickiest doms I know about who I'm actually willing to allow into my practice. (laughs) You know, obviously I'm screening for... Ideally, people who love hypnosis or I think might be able to be persuaded to love hypnosis, but I, I do I do take a handful of other people as well. Um, but mostly it's about fit. like i mm-hmm. am I am a lifestyle kinkster, uh, which basically means that the stuff that I do in the dungeon, I do. Well, not necessarily all day, every day, but there are pieces of kink in my everyday life uh, in most or all of my relationships. And so I'm really particular about the way that I'm able to connect with people in the experiences that we have together. I look at what I do in the dungeon often as I'm creating a safe container. With collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, in which people can experience intense uh, emotions, intense physical mm. sensations, things that they absolutely would never want to have happen to them out on the street at random, non-consensually, things like that. Yeah. And right. yeah, and so I find that um, that people that I have a natural rapport with, um, often really verbal people, not necessarily, but often that they are most able to collaborate with me to create that safe container. They understand the languages that I speak Hmm. and I can speak theirs.
2: I really feel like you just read our minds. uh, (laughs) No, truly. And like teed up like the first four questions that we wanted to ask you, which is pretty incredible because honestly, one of the first and it's basic was about screening because I don't think we've really actually asked that direct question to anyone that we've interviewed yet of like, how do you screen someone? Is it a referral system? What if someone comes in and I don't know, this is lame to say, but like, what if they're on drugs or they're drunk? And you're like, seriously? You know what I mean? And that's so much more superficial than the depth that you already were going into. You. <laughs> so forgive me yeah, for right. that. That's
1: right. Uh, Kathy, what, if, what if they're uncool? I mean, what yeah, happens? What if yeah. What if,
0: just not if you walk uh, in my door and I go, oh, you are not cool. Then I bring you in for humiliation sessions. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. Okay. So there's, there's multiple <laughs> the tide's choose. Here. Yes.
2: It's not um, so much choose your own adventure as you choose their adventure. I do. I do. Or or I mean, they them. give me...
0: They give me options, right? They yeah. give me, here are the endings I'm willing to accept in my novel that we're going to write together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I do get a lot of flexibility within that. And I, I actually require that. I find that if anybody, this is one of the things I do to screen, and I will get back to your question awesome. in just yeah. a moment. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I do to screen, and I do find this is actually pretty common among the doms that I am friends with, I am looking for people who have some flexibility in the way that I approach them as a dom. I often tell my clients, you know, I'm interested in hearing how you feel in your fantasies. And then I can cultivate a dominant approach to you that is authentic to me but will also mm. result in those kinds of feelings. Um, yeah. I found I've found that if I am just playing a role, nobody benefits. I hate my job. Mm. They don't have a good time. Um, it has to come from the heart of me, which means being really yeah. in touch with my own kinks and my own style of dominance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the screening that comes before that, usually before that, <laughs> um, by the time somebody walks in my door, I usually have enough information about them to absolutely terrify them. They don't mm-hmm. like if they've ever had to do it. <laughs> If they've ever had to do background checks for jobs or I- anything like that, it's it's not really any more than a potential employer might get on you. Yeah. But I do I do run some standard background checks. Um, I, as I've mentioned, I'm super networked in the DOM community, and it's not mm-hmm. really hard for me to find out if they have done wrong by one of my sure. peers. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Yeah, and there's and there's lots of ways that can happen. Of course, the extreme end is somebody shows up high or commits violence mm-hmm. against somebody, but you know, the the often more common ones are they wasted a lot of my time and then uh, they didn't even book. You develop a really, really good cold read of people, including mm-hmm. online uh in this in this industry, I think whether you're you're a dom or an escort or any other kind of sex worker, you have to it's survival um, yeah yeah so 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 those are those oh. are some of the ways that I filter, other yeah. ways that I filter, of course, that I screen people are I have set up on my site some Easter eggs of information. And I can tell from their submissions whether they've actually read my site. And if they haven't actually read my site and they're just like, oh, pretty girl, submit form. Mm -hmm. Nope. I don't even reply.
2: It's not just branding. That is exclusivity, my friend. Uh, That's that's one of the best (laughs)
1: things I've heard all year.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's great. I love that.
2: Yeah. Read the damn website. That's right. Read
1: the syllabus, folks. Read the (laughs) syllabus.
2: Yes. We've been thinking about this idea. I've been thinking, I don't know, Tony. What was the first memory you had or awareness of the word or the idea of kink?
0: Oh, God. So most, but not all of the kinksters I talk to have some relatively early memory, you know, somewhere between three and four and adolescence. And mine, I have two. Um, One is having a response to seeing princess leia chained to job of the hut um mm-hmm. that i could not quite that i could not quite qualify at that age because i was probably four or five um yeah. you know and and in retrospect it's like this proto-sexual thing it's this like i have these feelings and i don't know what they mean and i don't have anything i can do with them because i am a child yeah. but something connects in here something stirring yeah 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 um Um, And then the second one is I was a bit gender atypical for my generation. I, I guess I shouldn't say that because there's plenty of people who were like me. But I was considered atypical in my very suburban upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, and so people would buy me Barbies, and I hated them. Um, <laughs> I was like, "Do not buy me Barbies. These are girls' toys. This is stupid." And so the handful of Barbies that I had, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you two are old enough to. Remember this, some people will. There was a, yeah, (laughs) there, uh, Radio Shack made a kind of a circuit board practice kit, a 2001 kit where you could make like, you could make your own uh, basically ham radio or like you just learn about how circuit boards worked. Uh, This is all very pre computers in the home. Um, And so I had this idea that somehow my Transformers would use this Radio Shack 2001 kit to torture the Barbies that people gave me that I hated. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> and, and this was somehow vaguely sexual to me. I could not figure out how to make it actually sexual because I was, again, a child and didn't understand mm. these things. Um, but there was there was something in there. There were lots of torture scenes involving that. And mm. Probably about the same time the Princess Bride came out and when they hooked him to the machine and he was mm-hmm. he was moaning and writhing and you yeah. couldn't tell what the machine was doing, but it was torturing him. That was very exciting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love yeah. you. Just brought
2: up
1: so many archetypal. Well, yeah. No, I, no, I think, scenes. Yeah. And by the way, bless you for thinking that that I'm not old enough to know Radio Spend Shack. In. Those, Please. I think I'm old enough that Radio Shack was making, like, butter churners or something. Like, I'm, I'm, you know.
2: <laughs> and were you turned on is really yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By a butter churner? I, kinda, I think I was, yeah, actually, I yeah. I like, do want to ask, where did you grow up as we dive into uh, childhood? I grew up
0: just north of Seattle in a very, very, very blue-collar town uh, called Everett. Uh, and I know yeah. Everett. <laughs> you, you know Everett. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everett's basically... Um, the mill, the tweakers from Eastern Snohomish County, uh, what's left of some farmland, and Boeing. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was not really a diverse place to grow up. Um, mm-hmm. Some some ethnic diversity, but not really anything else. I mean, like there there were not even any goths in my high school. It just did not exist. Oh, um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so. So I grew up thinking I was pretty alone in yeah. my kink world, in my head. Um, I, I think that's not that uncommon. I encounter that a lot with clients, actually, as well as amazing origin stories. I get to hear a lot of those. I love that.
2: Oh. <laughs> well, and, and then you, I mean, I know that you have traveled around a bunch, but you are based in Seattle. hmm I love Seattle and live in Seattle and married a man from Seattle. But I, I really am curious because I don't know that anyone's quite answered this either. What do you feel is unique to Seattle within the BDSM King community?
0: Ooh, that's a really interesting question. And maybe even a harder question to answer right now because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, um, sure. I find that there is, and maybe this is true more universally than I'm aware of, but I find that back to Dungeons & Dragons, that, uh, that there is an almost complete saturation of the kink community with... Uh, fantasy readers, Dungeons and Dragons players, uh, things like that. (laughs) So from a professional standpoint, even though I find that it's relatively saturated at the moment, I think, again, partly because of COVID, uh, Mm -hmm. there are quite a lot of uh, what I would probably say are for lack of a better way to describe them really privileged men um, we have we have you know we have a lot of um, cishet, uh men with some amount of money because they work in tech uh, many of yep. them are also white which is another yeah, one of the I was gonna major address that points yeah yep. Right. Yep. Right. Seattle has um, a
2: reputation of being quite
0: white, white. Mm-hmm. It is. It has been. Uh, I would say it's a lot less than it used to be. Um, but of course, uh, with that change comes pain points for a lot of people who uh, have been living comfortably with their unacknowledged, uh, kind of unaware um, Racism, uh, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, that's, that's kind of pervasive, right? Uh, yeah. But any, any place where it has been one dominant culture, and now we have a lot more people from other cultures coming in, there's going to be a lot of turmoil, and Seattle's mm-hmm. kind of been in the middle of that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, kink.
2: Do, ev- do, does everywhere. that pervade into kink? I mean, I'm, I don't even everywhere. know what I'm asking there, but you know what I mean? Like, do you see that show up in kink?
0: Everywhere I've been, kink is dominantly white. Um, And I'm not sure if that's about who is allowed to be included in community. I'm not sure if that's about um, who does kink. I really don't have answers to that. Uh, But I, I find that it is. Although I do have a pretty fantastic story from... Um, I used to be pretty connected up in the Vancouver BC uh, kink fetish community, uh, shibari rope community as well. And I remember walking into they're, – they're much bigger on their – Everyone gets dressed up and wears all their latex fetish events, whereas Seattle's a lot Mm -hmm. more relaxed, and you're likely to find people pushing the rules about what they're allowed to wear to a club because they want to wear their sweatpants. Far likelier about that (laughs) than about someone (laughs) coming to Seattle. (laughs) It's not a great thing, but (laughs) no. Yeah, people come Mm -hmm. here from uh, Europe and are like, what is wrong with How Americans? Dare yeah. like, right. How dare you? Yeah. Right. I'm like, it's just, it's <laughs> it's just Seattle. It's just Seattle. But, um,
2: but not in Canada. <laughs> not in Canada, no.
0: Canada, a no. Okay. Um, Canada, lot more like Europe that way, at least in the big cities. And so... I walk into this event, which is inevitably going to be mostly white, a little bit Asian and uh, uh, unlikely to be any black people there at all. But I walk in and the first thing I see, (laughs) because everyone's it's a Halloween, I think, and everyone's dressed up as something in addition to being fetishy. And this is going to push some buttons for a lot of people. Bring it. um, So (laughs) uh, I walk in, and the very first thing I see um, is two men talking to each other. Uh, One is white like i am white and wearing a full ss uniform and the person he's talking to is a black man dressed as a catholic priest oh. <laughs> and mm-hmm. i'm just like oh bless the kink community because they look like they're very happily engaged in conversation yes. like this is a this is a non issue in fact they might have come together because of the contrast yes.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Sub- subtle it, subtle it ain't No, Uh, no, no, no. no, No. But but, inclusive. (laughs) But yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all if they came together. Yeah, <laughs> and then I wouldn't be surprised if they came together. If you get, I was hoping you'd ladies, go there, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Thank you for going there, so I didn't have to be the only one who's secretly <laughs> eleven years old in this room. No, <laughs> no. Uh,
1: please, that's yeah, my my level of humor. If it ever if it gets to the eleven year old level, then I consider that it's a been success. a good day. It's been a good day. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of want to get into her your, your specialties, if if I may. Um, yes, please. We alluded to. Shall we start with um, Shibadi? Is that what it's called?
0: there. Shibari. Obviously, shibari originally from Japan. The way that it's practiced in the U.S. that I have seen mostly uh, incorporates a lot of other approaches to rope. I mean, you think about all of the different things that you can use rope for some people Mm -hmm. go camping they use it to tie their tent down securely they use it for bear bagging you use it to uh, secure a boat to a dock things like that Mm -hmm. people learn the skills of how to work with rope in a lot of different contexts Um, and I find that uh, the Japanese shibari that I've mostly only seen in performance um, there's a there's a different Quality to it, and uh, is as makes sense for an island country. Very, um, it is its its own entity and doesn't as easily include other types of uh, other types of rope experiences. Okay. Um, in the mm. in the U.S., I find people a lot more flexible with that, and I think mostly it gets called shibari because. Nobody knows what, what is American rope bondage, right? Like, is it Betty doesn't Page have tied name. up with clotheslines? Yeah, it doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a name. Mm. So mm-hmm. Shibari has kind of become synonymous with rope bondage. I found that rope bondage, uh, and here I'm partly citing a mentor who has mm-hmm. several decades on me in the kink community. Mm-hmm. Rope bondage used to be what you did when you were not yet serious about kink. And I got into kink Uh. at a time. Yeah, because you could go to the hardware store and pick up some rope for 20 or 30 bucks and tie your lover to the bed and experiment. Um, And the people who were serious about kink invested like, thousands of dollars in their leather gear. They had nice cuffs. It, it took time and money, especially for the internet, to collect things like that. And I came into kink at a time when that was still true. Um, as I have watched the internet become available in most American homes uh, and you know, shortly thereafter the rise of camera phones, people mm-hmm. became much more interested in like, oh gosh, I can for not very much money, tie people up and make these beautiful patterns with them or torture them with the rope or, you know, opportunities to be seen doing cool things with bondage for not a lot of money. So rope bondage kind of became no longer just the gateway, but the... Uh,
1: it became the the, the thing. That's what, what yeah, you wanted it's, rather it's, than... Yeah, it's the yeah, thing. Specialty
0: yeah, or, or, or yeah, the yeah, kink that you yeah, want to get modality, into. Modality, modality, yeah. 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 And it's interesting because one of the things that uh, I have come to because I do so much professional work is I used to do a lot more what I would call American shibari than I do now, Um But I've discovered that I really like not having to worry so much about uh, nerve compression injuries and things like that, which are a significant risk uh, for a lot of rope bottoms. I'd say less for male rope bottoms because the density uh, and size of muscles uh, typically distribute the pressure a little bit better. Um, male and not male a, versus female.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but, but a lot of the rope bottoms out in the community historically anyway um, have been female and yeah. tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not a lot of distribution there and most of them end up with nerve compression injuries at some point in my experience. This may have changed mm-hmm. um, uh, over the last handful of years, but when I was still doing rope in the community uh, that was what I saw. Um, and so doing it professionally I really would like to not send anybody home with those. Um. Yeah, yeah. you want to take care of them. <clears throat> yeah. I get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have come to, I lead with my leather and my chains more. And uh, I find my experience with shibari is super useful for certain specific things that put them at less risk.
1: I'll have to it, I'll have to Google I'll have to it. I have to Google
2: it. But we're gonna dive into something I know you are very passionate about <laughs> and are practicing very much now, which is erotic hypnosis. Yes, yes yeah. this, this sounds fascinating. And I'm gonna I am gonna reveal something. I know that, Tony, you have said you are intrigued by hypnosis. I I, I think <laughs> I'm terrified I've never, or intrigued? No yeah. uh, one and the same?
1: Yeah, I mean I mean, you know, 10 percent terrified, eighty percent. Intrigued and, and 10% 10%. dealer's choice, um, but it, it's been. Um, I, I I think I might be somebody who is susceptible to hypnotism. That's
2: what it was, mm.
1: and I've even thought about it. Like um, the few areas where I have anxiety in my life, you know, I've tried to just sort of deal with it and handle it. But I've always been curious about mm. even going into. And try hypnosis to deal with anxiety because I, I just it's just a feeling that I have and I, I could be totally wrong. So I'm so interested to hear your experience with this how how it's done yeah,
2: really
0: how, how nuts it's involved how, how it works. it's done during covid <laughs> and, and being
1: done done online or over mm-hmm. zoom and and, uh, and yeah just kind of diving in.
0: It's a fixation of attention to begin with. Um, That's that's well, not to begin with. The the very first step is is rapport. Um, Mm. Does somebody trust you enough to have some kind of experience with you? You know, maybe, maybe not as much as would be required for a stage hypnotist to make you run around clucking like a chicken all over the stage like that, that yeah. for, for, for some of us, that's out of the realm of what we're do, willing to do with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Um but the ability to build that rapport for very specific sorts of things, whatever you want to do together in hypnosis, very quickly. And then fixation of attention, which is where the pocket watch comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use all different kinds of techniques for that. There are physical techniques, touch-based techniques, um, visual ones, the pocket watch or watching my fingers move around. There are uh, auditory ones, which I got to practice a lot of during COVID because of Because of doing hypnosis online. And then there's a a small sequence of other things that happen afterwards, after you get their attention. And ultimately, those things end up with the part of your mind that is judging and assessing, uh, making all the decisions for you all the time, gets to just kind of sit in the back seat for a little while. like It's there, and an ethical hypnotist will reinforce with you that it is there if you need it, but it's, it's there if something comes up that feels unsafe or unwanted, and it can come forward and help you articulate that. But otherwise, it can just kind of sit in the back, and what you get instead is access to the unlimited creativity that's available to mm. you, yeah, when when you're – I mean, like, if either of you write, there's two parts to the process in my experience. There's writing things and there's editing things. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> yeah, and when you are trying to edit at the same time as you're writing, it gets very congested and it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to move forward. Uh-huh. Um, and so being able to set the editor aside, which is the part of you that sits in the back during hypnosis – and just experience the creative flow that makes possible so many things that otherwise might feel challenging in our everyday consciousness.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's deep and fascinating. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm trying to what what does a if I, if I'm if I'm under erotic hypnosis, what is happening? That's that's the question. Too general. What does this? Yeah,
2: like is it playing out a fantasy is it is it working through some
0: sort of difficulty is it they are as varied as human beings they are as diverse as erotic lives can be mm. um for me sometimes it's playing out a specific story it's a story that the client has in mind they like role play and they've discovered that in Trance is a place that they can really connect with the juicy emotional experience of those role plays um or Uh, sometimes there's uh, like some, a a lot of people have fantasies I find in the hypnosis community have fantasies about being trained to do things or conditioned to do things, or even, you know, having some of their agency removed a little bit. So they're more willing to do Mm. things that they otherwise might not be willing to do. Um, Mm and so it can look like uh, it can look like conditioning um, like connecting uh, a response that they have naturally i mean you think about pavlov and and the steak and the bell and the dog mm-hmm. and you know dog naturally salivates at the steak so when you connect the salivation response to the steak with something else then when you do the something else, even in the absence of the steak, yep. the dog still salivates. Mm-hmm. Um, and humans are, to varying degrees, responsive to that same thing. Um, can, I,
2: can I ask the most frat boy question ever?
0: Please. <laughs> okay,
2: so in that Pavlov dog scenario, if salivate is come. Could you make someone come in the absence of the steak?
0: (laughs) It's so funny you would ask that because that is actually one of the primary things that uh, I find men are interested in. (laughs) Look at me being the fucking man. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, I find that women are interested in it as well. But I find that the orgasmic response for women, um, a lot of us are either really in touch with the fact that, yes, we can connect this to all kinds of things, just make it happen spontaneously, or we're like, that is fucking impossible. Excuse my language. (laughs) No, I I, I just said, no, no, no. Or or we're like, that is impossible. Um, There's no way. And if you think a thing is truly not possible for you. It takes a lot of work in hypnosis over time with the same trusted person usually uh, to make that result possible. Um, is, is our hands-free orgasms possible? Yes, absolutely. Have I seen them? Have I done them? Yes, absolutely. Ah, Have great. I done well, them well. accidentally? Yes, absolutely. Ah, no. um, well, there we With go. men. Um, there we go. Like penises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, it's kind of a holy grail um, for yeah. a lot of erotic gangsters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh.
1: <laughs> and, and do the, the how, what am I trying to <laughs> you, Use your words, Tony. Use your <laughs> words. Is this something that the client then brings into their? lives,
0: you, possibly? You, you can. You can. Um, that is actually one of the things that I encourage people who are new to hypnosis to consider and to negotiate very, very carefully, or really anybody who's engaged in hypnosis, but especially mm-hmm. people who are new, is how much effect am I actually willing to for this to have on my life outside of the session. I mean, if somebody comes in to me for impact play, they want to be hit with things or they come in and they want to be tied up with rope. There are often marks from things like that. They don't mm-hmm. there don't have to be marks. Obviously, I have a, you know, significant portion of my business who cannot have marks for one reason or another. So I've mm-hmm. learned some techniques uh, to avoid them. That said, Skin is weird. If you come for certain things, it is not impossible that you yeah. will end up with some kind of mark somewhere that you did not intend. And the same thing can be true for hypnosis, except that it's your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So,
2: <laughs> the indelible mark on your mind.
0: Yeah. Or yeah. at least the lingering mark, because yeah. um, uh, that's another one of the things that. Uh, is true both about physical play and about hypnosis is you can go into it intending that there be marks you can go into it with say your your partner not a client and go I want to allow you this intimate access to my mind I want to let you alter me and they do all the things and you have this wonderful hypnosis experience and afterwards you feel like okay I'm conditioned and then over time It fades. Maybe it's a a day. Maybe it's a week. That there are people who argue that all hypnosis is uh, or all trance experiences are just learning. Um, Mm. And as anyone who's ever learned anything, which is most adults, I think. (laughs) Some some people, I wonder if you've learned anything. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, Memories. Very in duration and intensity, That's and true. we don't always have control over that. But one thing a good hypnotist can do very well is put a box around it. We time box it until you walk out my door. Ah. Every time I snap my fingers, you will drop easily and effortlessly into a deep, deep trance, um, or until midnight tonight, yeah. or you know whatever whatever the appropriate time is. For that experience.
1: That makes sense. So I then just, you're not walking around your life like every time you hear the word Volkswagen, you get a boner, kind of a thing.
2: Word <laughs> yes. yes. so, word yes. so. <laughs> well...
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm sort of lost in thought. I've 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 kind of detached from the whole
0: thing here. I know, of, I
2: I'm hesitant to transition I, because I sort of want to stay right here with you.
0: <laughs> I, I may have I may have done that to you a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I may, you may you may well have yeah, guilty. Yeah.
2: But I'm uh, yeah. Tony, if you're ready, I'm going to slowly No, please. Transition away. Uh, I'm gonna take us to The pillow talk portion of our interview Mm -hmm. where we ask you for a little pillow talk story, which, you know, the title of this segment leads it to be often a pithy or humorous story. But Mm -hmm. you're willing to share with us something that's quite the opposite. A really intense uh, humiliation scene story. I wonder if we should be putting in a warning here for anyone listening and if I, so I want to turn that over to you okay yeah.
0: yeah i absolutely i absolutely would um if you if if anyone has had experiences especially of shame or of disappointing someone that they cared about or feeling like they were disappointing someone that they cared about or that they really wanted to impress, that uh, something important pivoted on impressing them, um, consider strongly whether listening to the rest of this is is appropriate for you. Um, if you
2: have sensitivity around consent, non-consent, yeah. Uh, consent,
0: yeah. Right. yeah, absolutely. Okay. After losing my job in tech, I decide to expand my side job as a dominatrix into a full-time profession. Although many parts of the work are stressful, having men hand me huge wads of cash in exchange for the privilege of kneeling before me is incredibly gratifying, even addictive. They are mostly powerful men. They are mostly older than I am. They desire me visibly. I feel wanted. I feel like a woman. I feel less and less afraid, no longer because I'm partnered with the right man, but because I am beginning to realize the power I can hold as a woman. I feel unashamed. I incorporate many modalities into my practice, but hypnosis is where I really excel. One day, I see a humiliation client for our first session. When I open the door in my boots and my latex bodysuit, which hides exactly nothing, he is barely able to speak. He's so overcome. Like most men who come to see me, really, like most people when they first meet anyone, he wants very much to please me, to make a good impression. I'm about to capitalize on this, and he has no idea what's coming. We have discussed only the broadest details of our session. He says he likes humiliation. Like many clients, he's unable to articulate exactly what that means to him, but he is able to tell me that in his 20 years of seeing pro he has come to a place where the standard humiliation tropes, you have a little dick, you're a worm, grovel for me, don't really work for him anymore. So, in trance... I establish power over various parts of him. I show him that I can control his ability to speak. I demonstrate that I can make him move or not move his body according to my desires. He is white. He has money. He has status. He is a man. He is taller than me. He could hurt me. But I have the power. I have all of it. He wants me. I do not want him. After two hours of trance, I finally take him out to my dungeon without words in his mind and moving only at my command. There, with his clothes still on, I tie him into a chest harness, then to a point on the ceiling so he can only move a few feet in any direction. I step back, almost out of his reach. He's still in trance, but he has his eyes open because I allow it. I begin to tell him a story about how I know that he has jerked off to images of women like me and how I'm sure he's even imagined dominating them. I begin to discuss the inappropriateness of these fantasies and how they make him just like other men, perhaps even worse than other men, like men nobody wants anything to do with, like men who don't care about women. Men who would like to use women, just like he used that porn dominatrices produced. Porn they had absolutely no intention of men using to fantasize about dominating them. Men who think women are just there for their sexual use. Men like, well, (laughs) like incels. This man is a lawyer. He deals in logic professionally. I know this. As I tell the story, I can see his mind running half a step ahead of me. Before I even say the word, incels, I watch these connections forming, each one showing in his increasingly horrified facial expression. And by the time I get to that word, I have already beaten him at his own game, woven a tapestry of half-truths into a lie he can utterly believe about himself. Relaxing into my certainty that he believes the story I told him, I give him back a few words to use. Words to harass a woman, to demand things from her, to spew obscenities, the words an insult would use if a woman had him tied up in front of her. Words for demands, words for body parts, words for sexual acts. I tell him how he can use these words. Then I release his body from my hypnotic command. He begins to charge me, yelling at me to suck his dick, his anger and frustration only amplified by the rope that keeps him within the radius I've set. I dart out of his reach, laughing. I let my disgust build on my face as I narrate for him exactly how pathetic and unworthy he is, how an incel like him could never get a woman like me. Every man who has ever harassed me on the street is standing there before me, Every man who has attempted to coerce, threaten, or shame me into sex is yelling at me right now. Every man I wanted to want me, but who met my interest with disgust, encouraging me to hate my body and myself. They are all embodied in this skinny, middle-aged lawyer screaming obscenities in my dungeon, sweating as he pulls against the rope, trying fruitlessly to put his hands on me. For half an hour, I tell him all the things I wish I could have said to them. I duck in and out of his radius, always just out of reach. I am disgusted, mocking, humiliating, but always in control, always wanted, always inaccessible. Eventually, I tire of this and step up as close as I can get without letting him touch me. He looks me in the eye, anger slowly subsiding as I drop him down into a deeper, quieter trance. His eyes close and his movements still. I begin to untie him, talking to him hypnotically, as I do. I allow him to kneel on the floor in front of me, eyes still closed. I let him catch his breath. I wait just long enough for the silence to become uncomfortable, uncertain. And then... I give him back the words for shame. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, I, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't expecting to be such a fascinating and deeply personal narrative. I,
0: I, I yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, that, that's, that's just a tremendous short story in itself. <laughs> if I could be sort of commercial about it for a second. <laughs> uh, thank, yeah. Thank
0: you. It's nice to do something nice. That's an understatement. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly, it feels incredibly good to do something with the pain that comes from marginalization. Mm -hmm. I don't have very much of that as who I am, but on gender axes... And aesthetically the way I was before I started having doctors cut me open and do fun things mm-hmm. to my body. Um I did. Uh especially in a little suburban town. Um there was really only yeah. one way to be pretty there and yeah. I was not it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean uh I some of those those memories of being a young girl, you know, not that I have the same background as you, but I had, and I will not go into them right now, but I have, I have experiences too of, of those experiences when you're too young and an older man, even if it doesn't result in an actual sexual harassment or, or rape or, you know, it it still is completely crossing a line and you have no control. And so it just like, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will, uh, you know, that's, Those all go somewhere and compound and compound. And yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would feel like for you in a professional sphere where, on Hmm. some level, you have to be in so much control for your safety, for their safety, but then to have this moment where all of that, I mean, you articulated it so so well in your story like all of these men are standing there looking at you all of this history is standing there looking at you how you can sort of
0: navigate that with keeping your head on straight I don't know I don't know how you do that uh, I think that is the alchemy of BDSM honestly yeah um, especially for people with humiliation kinks that it uh it Takes the the pain and the challenges that we've been handed, and when you have, as my uh, friend and uh, mentor Artemisia Divine says, when you have the right antidote to that poison, um, you can instead of re-traumatizing, you can sometimes experience it differently. And you know, prodoms are not. Even those of us who are trauma-informed are not necessarily the person that you need to go to first with trauma. Um, I definitely recommend counseling first for that. But if there are ways that it has woven its way into your sexuality that would benefit from being played out and leave you with less harm instead of more, come. (laughs) Come to us. You've used the terms before brainwashing
2: and hypnosis. Is there a difference and 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 are there connotations that that you find with brainwashing versus hypnosis or both?
0: Well, I find that um so brainwashing of course has all kinds of negative cultural connotations, I would say even bigger than hypnosis. A lot of people think of hypnosis as you know the scary negative thing that somebody does to you against your will. Um which incidentally is something that a lot of hypno-fetishists sexualize. So <laughs> let's pretend you're doing this scary thing mm-hmm, to me against right. my will. That's hot. Um, <laughs> so brainwashing, I think about it as potentially including hypnosis, but not necessarily including hypnosis. Hypno is a great tool for it. Um, it is to me, the way I define it, is reshaping somebody's map of the world to my own ends. Whatever those might be. Now, maybe this is just a little component of their map of the world, or maybe this is large scale brainwashing where, you know, suddenly you wake up one morning excited to uh, write pro-MAGA replies. (laughs) Obviously, um, messing with people's politics is not not something I'm usually willing to negotiate. (laughs) But, but, you know, some Mm -hmm. some hardcore Republican came to me and was like, make me make me liberal. Like, yes, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Did that happen or are you no, wishing no. that would happen? I guess wish, I you wish. If, <laughs> yes. If you're out there somehow and you've made it through this whole podcast while being a, you know, far to the right and you yeah, need right. someone to help you change, I am happy to assume that role. <laughs> oh. Yes, Tony, uh, t- Tony and
2: I said earlier we want to take BDSM to the streets and fight QAnon with it. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I so don't know how, stories. but So yeah. many stories. Oh, I'm sure. Oh. I'm sure. <laughs>
2: But, okay, um, okay, brainwashing yeah. is reshaping a map to some extent.
0: Yeah, that's how I see it. I mean, you think about, and I'm, I'm going to reference a very, uh, kind of a very negative thing here. You think about what uh, cult leaders do, you know, the brainwashing yeah. thing. And people don't go to them originally being like, yes, I will drink the poison Kool-Aid. Like, they have to get from... Wherever they come in with to that point, point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at the end, obviously, it was wildly acceptable to many of them to drink the poison Kool Aid or whatever else it is that cult leaders have people do. Um, but that takes uh, that takes some some effort and some reinforcement. Um, training conditioning can be part of that in or out of hypnosis. Um, I do I did discover during COVID. Um, that when I had to pivot my business to being completely online, very suddenly, with no prior experience with people mm-hmm. online, uh, that a lot of people who are, in my experience, who came to me for uh, brainwashing fetishes for a long time, I was like, I, I don't, I won't do this with you. I don't know you. Um, I, I don't. First of all, I don't, I'm not entirely sure I can because I don't think I can build the rapport uh, appropriately in a parasocial relationship to support that. But also, I have no idea who the hell you are, and I'm not going to be responsible for the outcomes of that. <sighs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. That's like, taking I am... on a lot
2: of responsibility. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Like, I like to play a cult leader, you know, in my fantasies, but I don't actually want to be one <laughs> yeah. with random people. Um, <laughs> Uh, all my all my cultists out there are uh, rolling over in their graves right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I discovered that what a lot of the people online mean when they say brainwashing, and what I mean in a I live and breathe BDSM every day way, are two very different things. Um, and that in that parasocial relationship, they want often want a brainwashing fantasy, which in theory is what dominatrices provide anyway. I just provide it a lot closer to home for me. So it feels less like fantasy, I think, and more like what's really happening. Um, The fantasy often is as simple as... uh, Tell me how I can't resist you. Mm. You know, tell tell me how, you know, whatever these attributes that you know I'm attracted to in you, tell me how they overcome me and my sexuality, and I can't help myself but feel this way around you and do whatever these things are that you've quote unquote brainwashed me to do. And then when the session's over, I go back to my life and nothing is different. Um, <laughs> or you know, like I yeah. feel better from having been hypnotized, I've spent some time yeah. in a flow state, but like like, I'm not brainwashed. Definitely not yeah, It's not a not permanent
2: reshaping of neurological pathways.
0: Yeah. Yes. Very. Yeah. I love exactly. the way you put that. Yes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, shucks. Oh.
1: Well, shall we? Uh, yeah. I think we'll take a little trip down into the dungeon here. And so my first question for Catherine Control is cats or dogs?
0: Cats. Hands down. They ah. remind me of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that. Which, which is to say they're very particular. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily know exactly what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> um, but if you interact with them very, very nicely, you might get to pet the belly for a minute mm-hmm. on peril of them changing their mind. Yeah, Love it.
1: I do like that. That's, I'm also a cat person, <laughs> and I, I completely agree with that. Uh, what is your favorite ice cream flavor?
0: I love all the flavors. I, yeah. Ice cream is... <laughs> ice cream is functionally a liquid once it goes into my body. So I feel like it goes in and fills all the gaps between any other food that's in my belly. So there's always room for ice cream and it doesn't matter what kind.
2: <laughs>
1: also a good answer. I, all I, right.
2: I, I I'll take the mic for a minute and ask you our third question, which is heaven with your enemies or hell with your
0: friends. Boy. This is a particularly tough one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I don't believe in either of those things. Yeah. It's... Or, or I should say I feel like we have the potential to live in both of them right here, right now. Um, <sighs> yeah. Enemies are very interesting. And I would always learn and grow a lot. Um, if they're friends, as in friends who co-sign your bullshit, I'd probably choose heaven with my enemies so I could keep yes! growing. But if they're friends, as in the kind of friends who are like, oh, no. Oh no, you were wrong there. I'd probably choose hell with my friends.
2: Our, our producer did point out earlier to me that, you know, a pushback, because a lot of people just go straight to hell with your friends. And a good pushback would be, well, you have to watch your friends get tortured. Because I think I do the same thing. I'm like, hell with my friends, right? Like, we'll have fun, <laughs> we'll drink, we'll crack jokes, we'll make each other, you know, laugh until we cry. But if you're watching your friends get tortured, maybe that's a good, a good pushback. I,
0: I, honestly, I have so many friends who are masochists, this <laughs> could be, this could <laughs> <Okay>. actually <laughs> be heaven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, All right. That, yeah, it just gets
2: really, really confusing. Yeah. Welcome to cake. (laughs) Okay. Next question. What is something that really scared you the first or no, sorry, scared you before you did it. And then after you did, you were glad that you did it.
0: Oh, oh, oh God. Can I actually say this on a podcast? Because you can always, (laughs) you can always say it and then
2: tell us not to say it.
0: (laughs) Uh, I, I don't. I, I just don't know if I want to become the person who ends up getting the reputation for doing this because being glad I did, it was it entirely pivoted on how overwhelmingly positive it was for the person I was playing with. Um, had I had any doubt at all, I would not have been able to do this. And well, it feels uh, like
2: whatever it is, that was a
0: really good disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> uh Race play, mm. Mm. Um, yeah. I I had a uh, black man come to me actually not all that long ago, and I was giving him the standard disclaimer that I do, which is I come from a leather community where we call people boy. Um, it is possible that it will slip out. I understand there are racial overtones here. I will do my best to make sure that never happens, and in advance, I apologize. And you know, yeah. uh, and. Uh, In the middle of that disclaimer, he stops me and is like, whoa, 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 that is exactly what I want. I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, the thing I like, the thing that's like just almost on my hard limits list. And I did it Mm -hmm. anyway uh, because he was able to articulate to me how good it was for him. And when I said the first bad word and he gave this little thank you to the heavens We were on from there, so. (laughs) I mean, is it okay for me to ask
2: what he articulated, and not that you have to use his words, but what he articulated that convinced you? Because obviously, and I think anyone listening to this would know, like you are very discerning. I mean, that's what we first spoke about, (laughs) that you are incredibly picky and discerning about who you work with and what you do with them. So obviously he articulated something really well to you about
0: race play, which is mired in... I think there were I think there were a combination of things there, as there usually are. Um, one was his overwhelming enthusiasm with which he interrupted me. Um, the other. <laughs> Another was, uh, that he had, uh, done it with a number of prodoms before, including some that I know, um, knowing them doesn't, you know, make any difference as far as him being unharmed, but like, he's not just making up stories. He used them as references. Like, yeah. I know they've actually seen him. And if he says he did these things with him, them, I believe him. Um, and then the other uh, was basically ongoing throughout the first session. He came back to see me two more times, said it was nobody had ever made him feel the way he imagined he'd feel in a session until, <laughs> until me. Um, so for better or for worse, I was good at what he needed. Yeah. Um, throughout that first session, uh, without any hesitation, he would have grinned from ear to ear if I'd let him. Like, his energy was just, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, Yeah, so so you were getting signals the whole way through. Constantly. And I needed them. Like, I I don't know, I don't know if I would have been able to say or do any of those things fast that first little toe dip in the water of saying that one word uh, had I not gotten that feedback from him.
2: Huh. Of course, we just bring out that right before... (laughs)
0: I know exactly. <laughs> well, that but just then, makes people want to come talk to me in person, which at 100%. I'm delighted to have. <laughs> That's great.
1: Uh, well, then, yeah. And then my, my last uh, little question here then is, what is the best compliment you've ever received?
0: Actually, I'm going to reference... I've gotten a lot of amazing compliments as part of this job, and my dear friend Miss uh, who I think is Sydney based, she's in Australia. Uh, she calls them fast food compliments. You get you get you get lots of compliments. They're so delicious, but they certainly don't sustain you the way that the ones from your friends do. <laughs> yeah, um, but. The one that I got that meant the most to me was actually from the gentleman that I was just talking about and him, mm-hmm. him saying that for the first time in years of playing with pro he felt the way he imagined he would feel. That is the goal state that I have in my practice for everybody who comes to me.
1: Love it. I think that sums it up.
2: Yeah, Catherine, thank you so much. I do want to say, you know, speaking of coming to talk to you in person, what are the ways you would want to be reached out to or have people follow you, see you, keep in touch with you? (laughs)
0: Um, I am on Twitter. It's at Seattle Femdom and I highly suggest if you want a little bit of a personal view into my life that you follow me there because I don't really draw a lot of sharp boundaries around the personal and professional there. Obviously, there's some things I keep to myself, but I rail on about politics mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, um, and I'm not afraid to yell at people. And I mean, that's what Twitter's for, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then um, the other primary way is through my website, Uh, at seattlefemdom.com. And if you have uh, inquiries other than session inquiries, you can just shoot me an email. It's there. Although I always do prefer to receive session inquiries because we can talk so much more deeply when you're in my dungeon.
2: Yes. And everyone, please remember, read the goddamn website. That's right. (laughs)
0: Read, Read the syllabus, folks. Oh, you're my favorite people today. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, Catherine. Thank you so
2: so much. Seriously, yes. thank you for sharing. Being so generous, I thank really, mm. we really, really appreciate it. I have nothing to say, except for I think we might have been hypnotized.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that probably happened. Um, I uh, I found her to be. I mean, first of all intellectually fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh I I think I'm also a little bit uh speechless. I I have to say and and you know we'll we'll have to see how you know we this episode ends up being edited. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the story that she told was uh first of all so deeply personal. Mm-hmm. And I really meant it. I I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be so deeply, deeply, deeply personal and narrative. And, I, and maybe that sounds stupid.
2: I was expecting and, something entirely different yes. as well, to be honest.
1: I was too. Cause, cause you know, that, 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 you know, that, that part of, of the program is always sort of a, well, you know, this happened and then, I, and then I dropped this. So then it became a little, you know, it, yeah. it's almost a little, like you said, pithy. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead we got a really vulnerable um you know empathetic experience um that that was not only beautiful but i i think really left her in this kind of vulnerable painful tender. but also very tender place that i i i i i, I really appreciated being a part of it uh, that she was willing to share that
2: i appreciated it so much i'm sort of floored by people's generosity uh in this space i know mm. it's not easy like i i mean i don't know but i imagine it is not easy uh in that line of work sometimes to share uh you know salacious de- details maybe but yeah. but your personal history of of sexuality and shame mm, Uh, I don't want to take that for granted, so I'm pretty humbled at her sharing that. And someone asked me the other day about sort of what we're finding out of all of this Mm -hmm. and like, you know, what are you finding out about like these people? Is it that they're just like so much more than what they do? Sort of something like that. And and I actually felt embarrassed, Tony, and maybe mm-hmm. your beautiful articulate self can say it better than me <laughs> because I found myself getting really um, worked up to try to articulate adequately how incredible the humans are that we've been interviewing. And I yes. wasn't doing a good enough Job. I really wasn't. And and it was just I found myself having verbal diarrhea, trying to be like, yeah, they're they're entrepreneurs and they're experts at all of these incredible things, and they're mm-hmm. actors and they're psychologists. And also, you know, with Catherine, oh, your intellect, your mm-hmm. emotional intellect, your voracious political interests and opinions. I mean, I just, again, verbal diarrhea. So
1: if you no, could just... I, I, no, I actually, I think I, I, I would have said the same thing because again, you know, I, I keep, uh, you know, I, I'm repetitive in a lot of ways because I've said it so many times, <laughs> even, you know, on the show, the, the, the level of trust and communication and intimacy that exists between a dom and a sub is, is a, is a kind of relationship that I don't think i knew could exist between people outside of you know sort of a the idea of of a of a you know heteronormative <laughs>
2: relationship, relationship. I, if that though yeah, right if, if
1: if if that it's it, it, yeah it requires to say it requires "Quote unquote," letting go has right. got to be the fucking understatement of the millennium. Yep. And 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 I, I I'm constantly surprised, but also kind of enamored with the idea that I I find it so beautiful. And I even ask myself questions of like, boy, is is my is my reluctance to sort of trying anything in this sort of BDSM or kink community, a fear of that
2: kind of intimacy? Yeah. I,
1: I, I don't know. I, I know. think
2: mine is. I think, yeah. I think in this, maybe for the first time right now, I realized, oh yeah, you know, I'm game. And I thought, oh, it'd be a good story, boots on the ground, good journalistic practice because, you mm-hmm. know, I have so much experience being a journalist. That's right. All of our years with Reuters. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um But, Here, what got me, because she both talked about it and demonstrated it, embodied it, it's just a little bit being like, oh, wow, though, do I really want to open my soul and let you look at my soul and let Mm -hmm. you lead me through, what did she call it, like, you know, the endless... Uh, sandbox of your imagination yes. and i don't know i think i'm afraid of the endless sandbox of my imagination which frankly is embarrassing to admit given that i think i'm no. an actor and an artist
1: well but but i think i mean I was funny you mentioned that because i was just going to say you know as artists certainly as actors but all artists would say oh you know i bear my soul to the universe and it's all an open book but not really but <laughs> not no not really because you know there there are certain things that we you know that become intertwined with our sexuality and our our very identity that that I think we we protect at all costs. But I think if you're really gonna have a good session, particularly if somebody like Catherine Control at the helm, I I think that's not helpful to have that kind of protection
2: up. That's why I think she's such a fan of erotic hypnosis. Yeah. Because the ego is a very strong thing, and it really inhibits you from so much in your life. Uh, you, I'm talking just yeah, to, to you, you. Do you no. to you, to you, Tony. No, but, right um, here now, what self sabotage? Like I think about that all oh, the time. Yeah. How how we self sabotage. Yeah. So anyway, back to how incredible this community is. I have yet to figure mm-hmm. out how to succinctly articulate adequately enough how incredible I think these humans are, what they're doing, and how it's completely blowing my mind based on the perceptions I once had and I hope we can continue to get better at (laughs) giving a platform to that.
1: Yes it is it is yeah this this it is not what it is not what you think it is it's not 50 shades of gray it's not you know.
2: I don't know it's just not like don't just turn off. Don't just yes. turn off and go, ooh. Don't yuck my yum, as yuck. as people
1: say. Don't yuck my don't yum. Don't yuck my yum. Yeah. But
2: also just like, I don't know, you don't have to love it, but maybe just mm-hmm. uh, just be more open. Yeah.
1: Be more open. I like that. Be <laughs> more open. By the way, if you want your yuck yummed, I know some people.
2: I want a yum, but do I want a yuck do with Do I want a yuck? Who knows? Yuck, yuck.
1: Um, But yeah, this was, this was, uh, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed today.
2: I really enjoyed today. I feel very privileged and I, I hope more people are as brave as her at sharing their stories because we learn a lot. We learn a lot through people sharing their stories.
1: (laughs) Absolutely do. And, uh, and boy, if, yeah, if today doesn't really drive home the fact that, you know, the past few years have not been great. But not all pain is bad.
2: No, sometimes it's healing and good.
1: It is. I'm Tony. I'm Kiara. And you've been listening to Good Pain.
2: We will see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.